I am Tova Cito. I believe our lives should be happy, healthy, and abundant. And I believe it's our job to get us there. Every week, I will have inspiring, educational, and fun conversations that will help you live your very best life. Welcome to The Remedy. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the very next episode of The Remedy with Tobacito. I should just go ahead and name it The Remedy with Tobacito and Janice Gant. <laughs> <laughs> we oh, are so funny. lucky to have in the studio again today. I know all of you love her. Um, everybody loves you. In fact, I was just got I'm back. I'm not so sure. Oh, I just got back from California and all my girls, girlfriends in uh-huh. California listened to The Remedy and they're all like, we just need a Janice. We just need a Janice oh, here in Northern so California. Sweet. I'll go. I'll go to Northern California. <laughs> You're going to have to up I feel like your- it's been a while too since we're- since Janice has been in here. I know. Too long. <laughs> She's too busy. She literally is too busy. That's why all of you listeners are the luckiest people in the world to have her come on here. And she just is so generous with her time with us. I'm so, so thankful sweet. to you, Janice. So today's episode is sponsored by a precious woman named Holly Hodges, who listens to The Remedy and is a big fan of The Remedy. So thank you, Holly, for your incredible generous donation and for being... Um, a great supporter and, and encourager of our podcast. And so thank you, thank you, thank you, Holly Hodges. Um, okay, so today I asked Janice if she would come in. And it's funny because when I first asked you to come in, I said I want to talk about boundaries specifically when it comes to family. Uh-huh. And you said... Um, Boundaries are just boundaries. Like you need boundaries with your family, of course, but you really need boundaries with everyone. So today we're going to touch on, of course, family and boundaries with family, but we're just going to talk about boundaries, which I mean, we've been doing this for a year. I can't believe we're almost to a year and we've, this is the first time we've talked about. I know. Specifically. I mean, we talked about boundaries and as it relates to certain topics, but it is kind of amazing that we've made it almost a year and not really hit on such an important Wait, we've been doing the remedy for a year? Almost a year. Oh my God. Kevin. How did I not realize that? One episode. I think this is fifty one or oh my god. Oh my god. Congratulations. Isn't that That's awesome. So awesome. I know. We're having a lot of fun. Oh it's so Man, awesome. time flies. Oh. I know. And you're our fan favorite. I don't I mean <laughs> Thanks. Tova. We have thousands of <laughs> listeners and we always get the most when you're on it. So Well, that's so nice. What a compliment. Well, it's just the truth. It's probably just cuz I'm old and I've experienced a lot of stuff. <laughs> no, it's cuz you're wise and smart and have great 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 wisdom. So um okay, so when it comes to boundaries, I'm sure that you I'm sure that there is not a topic um, or a situation where somebody comes into your office where you feel like that, where creating boundaries and establishing boundaries isn't part of the conversation, whether it's, um, whether it's family mess or right. infidelity or addiction or what you know, whatever somebody comes to see you about that somehow boundaries plays into it. Well, I think you're right. I think that the thing about boundaries is is it it has a huge part in mental health because the lack of boundaries creates an enmeshment typically with people and or between people and people that they love or people that they're married to or people that they're having difficulties with and when there isn't a boundary system in place or an understanding of boundaries, then we tend to suck in and absorb and act out and try to control others, and we we enmesh with other people. There's, it's a it's like a a cohesiveness that is not chosen, but it's there, and so we take on the responsibility, or we take on the guilt or the shame or whatever somebody else that that we love or even if we don't love them that we tend to not keep ourselves separate. Okay, is that is that by definition what enmeshment for people who've who've never heard I mean I've heard that word a right. lot because of you um and being in therapy with you but um because there was a ton of 
enmeshment in right. my family of origin. Like th- there were no boundaries. There were no, right. you know, everybody right. blew through everybody. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and right. Um, so it, is that by definition what enmeshment is? Like just absorbing I think it's the absence, I would say the absence of boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so what we'll do is we will absorb or debate people's thinking reality, we'll suck in people's feelings. Uh, In my family system growing up, I think we've talked about this before, but my mother, it if my mother wasn't happy, you know, the saying, if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy mm-hmm. because it wasn't that we weren't taught that those were my mom's feelings and that that was separate from us. And then we felt like we were responsible for it. So it's a blending of thoughts and feelings that is not healthy mm-hmm. because we if we keep ourselves separate from others, it doesn't mean we don't have compassion for them, but we don't absorb their stuff. And we don't expect other people to absorb our stuff, especially with children. You know, children, that's the essence of codependency is children who were raised in a family system where there weren't any boundaries. And so everybody took on the pain or the addiction or the behavior or the feelings, the thoughts of the person, of the adult. And so then they carry it into their adult life and feel a connectedness with other people, but it's enmeshed. So like if you have your, I probably need a video, (laughs) if you have your fingers separate, Mm -hmm. Healthy relationship is realizing that I am separate from you. Mm-hmm. I love you, I like you, or I don't love you, or I don't love you, mm-hmm. but you are a separate person from me, even with our children. Mm-hmm. And then when, we, when we're in our codependency, it's an emotional... Codependency is basically emotional immaturity, mm-hmm. and part of that codependency is the absence of boundaries. Mm-hmm. So there's a locking in. So if you lock your fingers together, then that's what the lack of boundaries or enmeshment is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Okay? okay, so so we think of codependency as actually being a connectedness like that, but codependency is emotional immaturity. And part of the emotional immaturity is the inability to separate oneself from others. And if you don't have boundaries in place, it's very, very, very difficult to do. And if you don't have boundaries in place, you will expect other people to make you feel better when Mm. it's not their job Mm. to make you feel better. So let me ask you this, Janice. I I hear all of that, but I I I can't help because I was that child, right? You know, who's if mom ain't happy, nobody happy, and and we all. I mean, it was our job as children to make sure that our mom was okay, right? And everybody had to do that. I mean, ev- and because she said so, because my dad said so, like you sacrificed yourself. I had to sacrifice myself all the time so that my mom could be okay. You know, and I remember my dad coming in. I know that how she's treating you is terrible. I know what she wants of you is terrible, but just do it. Right. Because then she'll be happy and then the house will be okay. And then he could be okay. And then he could be okay. Exactly. And and so it was just this real messed up uh, for so many reasons, but... I mean, I, I was given the responsibility to make sure that everybody was okay. You know, all of a sudden it became my responsibility to make sure that my mom was okay. So, I mean, how, I, thank God I have been through therapy and I know this about myself and I have really worked on this about myself. And, and but, but if somebody has no realization or has no idea that they are enmeshed, or they have been enmeshed, or they grew up enmeshed. How? What does that look like as an adult? Well, how does that manifest it, as as we get older? You're going to be an emotional caretaker, so you're going to look at others and try to figure out what's wrong with them, and then think that it's your job to fix it. And the difference in caretaking and caring is caring is I can look and say, "Wow, 
I'm really sorry that you're experiencing this, and I have a lot of compassion for that for your pain, but not taking it on to fix it. So there's, I think, what might help is if I if I just kind of explain boundaries. Yeah, is that all right? Sure, please. All right. So there are. We have two types of boundaries, or we want to have two types of boundary. We want to have an, an emotional, an internal boundary system, which is about how we feel and how we think. And we want to have an external boundary system, which has to do with our bodies. All right? Okay. So, so each of those types of... Of boundary systems, internal and external, have two components. They have a protection component. And what I'm doing for you listeners is I'm holding up my hand, palm, like if I were pressing against Tova, that's my protection. Mm-hmm. My containment boundary is now I'm holding my other hand on my stomach. Because that's containing me. So the protection is the protection of me from you. Physically, is that what you mean? Well, physically, emotionally, intellectually. Mm-hmm. And we'll mm-hmm. talk about that. We'll go through them. Okay. And the containment is a containment that protects you from me. Mm-hmm. All right? The protection protects me from you mm-hmm. or separates me from you. And the, the containment protects you from me mm-hmm. or or separates you from me. Mm-hmm. All right? So I'll give you an example. Okay. So if somebody walks into my office and I spend an hour with them and they say, I totally disagree with you. That's ridiculous. I think you're the worst therapist in Dallas and you're probably going to go tell. And I might be thinking, oh, my God, they're going to go tell everybody and I'll go broke or whatever <laughs> it is. But. So if I let that in Mm -hmm. to my thinking reality without examining it as my truth, Mm -hmm. which is something that nobody taught us how to do. They told us what to think. They told us what to feel. But if I have a, a good protection boundary on my internal boundary system, my thinking and my feeling. So if I think, oh my gosh, they're going to go tell everybody and nobody's going to come see me again, then that my thinking is going to create my feeling and I'll feel fear. I'll probably feel sadness. I might feel guilt. I might feel shame. But if I keep what they say, what they think and what they feel outside of me, then that's my protection boundary. Mm-hmm. My, it's my prote- the protection part of my internal boundary system. Mm-hmm. Now, the containment part of my internal boundary system is about me recognizing that what I think is mine and what I feel is mine. And that I, because of that containment, I don't have the right to mandate that you think or feel what I think or feel. And so it, it, if, if you put yourself in a, a, like a jelly jar, I always think of like uh, George Jetson, you know, that capsule <laughs> that bubble. goes over him, the bubble. <laughs> so other people's thoughts and feelings are going to bounce off my jar unless I choose to let it in. So it's almost like, let's say you had many blinds on that jar, and I think, okay, is that right? Am I, does, is, is that true that I'm just kind of making this up and I'm not doing right? And if it is, then I could agree with them. But if I say, no, actually, I do know what I'm talking about. I've studied it. I've practiced it. Then I can let what they think and what they feel slide off my jelly jar. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult to do because we're so used to being so enmeshed. I kind of think we talked about this a little bit a long time ago mm-hmm. because I remember talking about my daughter who was in school at KU, and she called one day, and she yep. was crying because she was so miserable, yep. and I just totally let in her misery and felt terrible all day yep. and by the end of the day she was fine i was a wreck yeah but and you called was, to check on her and she's yeah, like i'm great yeah you're like what yeah. <laughs> yeah so so that was a failure of my internal boundary system my protection mm-hmm. all right mm-hmm. now if i had said to blair 
Blair, oh my gosh, you've got to get over this. Don't You don't have the right to call me and talk about that. That'd be my containment being in containment boundary failure. So when when neither of those are activated, then you're in boundary failure. Mm. The physical is the same thing. We have a protection. Again, I've got my left hand up with my palm, my palm like giving pushing, somebody that that like, get pushing them yeah. away sort of. So that says that I have the right to determine how and when somebody touches me physically or sexually. The containment part of that is, now I've got it on my stomach, is other people have the right to determine how and when I touch them physically or sexually. You know, sometimes our boundary system is right next to our body. So if my grandchildren come in, they can run up and give me a hug any time. But if, you know, somebody else tries to touch me that I don't know, that would be a boundary violation. Mm -hmm. So... The thing about it is, is that that those boundaries are so important because if we if we walk around being enmeshed with other people, we will not own our own reality. We'll be like, okay, okay, well, I need to think this, or I need to act like this, or I need to do this, I need to say this. Well, you're just a ping pong ball. You are bouncing from person to person, trying to figure out. Um, and please everybody and make sure everybody's okay. And I you're mean, right. Which is just, well, and I'll have families. It's a dead end. You're right. I'll have families come in my office and they will be devastated because one of their children is getting a divorce or um, somebody's gay and they want me to try to de-gay them, which <laughs> I'm like, you know, <laughs> if I could do that. <laughs> You'd make even more money. I would make a lot of money. Not so much that I could. I would want to de-gay them, but I could just do anything in the world. Mm -hmm. But that's you see a lot of our uh, families being enmeshed in um, in the world, be in in our neighborhood and stuff because people are so dependent on their children excelling or acting a particular mm-hmm. way or that that they allow their own value to go up and down. I know when we talked about this a little bit it was on self-esteem okay. and value. But but so a boundary system is and it's the same thing in a in a dating relationship or in a marriage relationship or in a friendship relationship. And what a lot of people will do is they'll say I'm setting a boundary for my partner. So if I'm setting a boundary and I'm saying that you cannot cheat and be married to me. So that is control. That's you trying to control somebody. But if I say, I have set a boundary for myself. Mm. And that boundary is, if you choose Mm. to act outside of the marriage, that's your choice and I can't control it. I am just not willing to be in a relationship with somebody who does that. So really, our boundaries are for ourselves. And mm-hmm. it doesn't mean that parents don't say to children sometime, look, if I understand that you want to smoke weed, but if you if you choose to do that in this family, then you're not going to be able to stay out late or you're not going to, I mean, you you're know. You're not going to drive. You're not going to drive or whatever mm-hmm. that is. Mm-hmm. But, but. But the boundaries are for us and for us to determine what's ours and what's somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And it, it's, it's really, it's, it's fun to be enmeshed when everything is great in your world. <laughs> and, but, but when things are not great in your world or things are not great with one of your children, it is our boundaries save us from absolutely turning into a puddle because someone we love is struggling in some way, you know, and it's, and it will suck the life out of us as individuals. And sometimes people kind of expect that they think, you know, well, if my children are having a hard time, how could I be happy? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if, if, if we realize that you know, that other people are God's children. Mm-hmm. And we are here to teach our children 
but not control them. And we're here to live our lives. Doesn't mean you don't have feelings about it, but when you have a good, strong boundary system, it really helps you to know what is yours and what is not yours. Doesn't mean you don't talk to people about it, but you don't own it. And that is so, okay, so uh, what you said is something that I've never heard before, never even thought about before, is like creating boundaries for yourself versus creating boundaries for somebody else. Right. That's really important, I think, especially with marriage and children or relationships and right. children because you're so right and I've never thought about it. Like if you're creating boundaries for somebody else, you're trying to control them. Right. And that's not productive or healthy and it's not yours no um but god how often we do that well actually control is abuse yeah it's it's an intellectual and emotional abuse that's a really profound thing to say yeah and it doesn't mean you don't want to control them right but right it's it's it, it does not work i mean mm-hmm. most of us you know, I always say you lose control when when your children turn about two. Yeah. You know, it really is an illusion, and the and nobody likes to be controlled. I mean, there's yeah. 14 year old girl that lives in me that's like, huh? Yeah, <laughs> going just, to Sally's to smoke. <laughs> uh huh. Going to Sally's house to smoke cigarettes and drink beer. <laughs> you start telling me what to uh-huh, do. Uh <laughs> huh. Tell me what to do. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I love when you say that. Uh, no. I know. I wish she lived giggle. here. <laughs> You want to know what's so funny about you saying that a couple, and I've told you this story, but um, I've, I've shared it here on the podcast, but uh, you know, Carter, Carter has no problem. My uh-huh. 15 year old son, he has no problem telling me what I need to work on. <laughs> None. And Carter. so the, the beginning of this year, I sat him down for dinner and I was like, Hey, I just want to know, like, what can I do? Like you two are about the Carter and Annaprin twins. They're freshman year, you know, going into high school. Mm-hmm. It's, it's important. Everything matters. Everything counts. Blah, 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 blah. I said, I just want to know what I can do as your mom to support you and love you and encourage you. Like I, I want to do this well. And so what can I do to make this experience for you even better? Carter was like, can I be honest? I was <laughs> like, please, please maybe. <laughs> Scary. <laughs> yeah. I was like, of course. And he said, mom, you just got to let go. Mm-hmm. You got to let go. And he said, you know, I, I was so on, I've been so on them about grades and da, 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 da. And I, I really, it was just about grades because they already put so much pressure on themselves. But that if anything's going to take a back seat mm-hmm. in their lives, it's not mm-hmm. going to be sports. It's not going to be friends. It's not, it's going to be grades. And so that's the thing that I've felt like I've had to stay on. And Carter was like, mom, you taking our phones doesn't, doesn't motivate us to, to do better in school. Like I know what I need to do. I know what I want to do. I know what I want to accomplish in this life. You need to just let it go. And just love us. Just show up, encourage us, and love us. That's all we need. And I was like, okay. Like it was like it was like it was like I had a job and and I had to like clean the toilets and take out the trash as part of my job. And then somebody came in and said, You don't have to take out the trash and you don't have to clean the toilets anymore. Because I didn't like that part of my job as a mom, you know, because it did feel controlling and it did feel, you know, where's your report cards and let me see them and da, da, da. And and I was like, you know what? You're right, see, it's not mine. And I said, I don't even, I don't even want to see your report cards. Like it now this is, it's up to you. Like, well, and it, 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 they start to own it. And I think that, you know, some people, reward kids for grades and that sort of thing. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that if you want to do that. You know, I just think that it's, it. we want them to, what the, what the goal is in adolescence is to transition from dependence to independence. Yeah. 
and so and to own their value system. Right. So you want them to them to own that value system right. for performance, however that looks. That's exactly right. And it and really it makes their, a difference. It, it'd be their deal, not because mom, because they're enmeshed with me or they're worried about getting into trouble or they're worried right. know, about how it's going to affect me or... And I'm telling you, that conversation, and I've shared this before, ha- has completely changed my relationship with Anna Prynne and Carter. Um, completely. That's so cool. Oh, because I'm not trying to control anything in their life. Like, I don't try to control anything. Well, it's good because you have no control. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's an illusion. Yes. Yes. You know, the illusion of control. Yes. And I think that it's so the, true. The, but you lose sight of that. As a parent, oh, you really gosh. think you can control. You do, and you try really. I have, I have tried really hard in my career mm-hmm. as a mom to, uh-huh. to, you know, control as much as I can, so that there's no pain, there's no embarrassment, there's right. no you know, fill in the blank, and it, it's it's ridiculous. All that caused more problems than letting it go. It does, and you know, I I believe with every fiber of my being that there is a power in the universe that is going to operate in my children's life in spite of me and not because of me. And I don't, when my girls were in college, I never, I never looked at their grades. When they graduated, I was like, well, I assume you graduated. (laughs) You know, because I just didn't, I just, I just gave it up Mm -hmm. and it didn't really matter, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's not your life. No, it's Mm -hmm. not my life. And it doesn't mean you don't care and it doesn't mean you don't teach and it doesn't mean you don't love or encourage and show up and all that stuff. I ask my kids a lot. I'll say, I have a really strong opinion about this. Do you want to hear it? Because they don't really always want to mother that's a therapist and so I try to ask permission for some of that you know so that there's not but the grace in all of that is that I can live and let live I can live my life and I can let my children live their life and the life of their choice that's an Al-Anon saying live and let live and and I was always really good at kind of living my life, but letting other people live theirs was not my strong suit. I felt like I needed to control and fix and try to get people to be this or be that. And once I realized that that was not, it doesn't, it doesn't help relationships, mm-hmm. especially with a significant other. Mm-hmm. You know, rather than trying to control your husband or wife, I strongly suggest you just ask for what you want. Mm. And, and, and yeah, I'd like to control my husband, mm-hmm. but I can't. Right. And he doesn't like me when I try to. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. So let me ask you this. I, I really, um, I really, the idea of when you're a small child and you feel this pressure to perform or do whatever you can to make sure that your parents are, are okay, um, I get that because you're a child and you don't know any better. You know, you don't have the psychological and emotional bandwidth to understand that the way that my parents are behaving is not in my best interest. So how, as an adult, you know, people who grew up in that kind of environment, how, as an adult, and this is a big question, but how do you create boundaries when, when your parents think that it's still your job to make sure that they're okay. If you're still, if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, mm-hmm. 60s, and you're still the caretaker, how do, you, how do you break that cycle? How do you let go of the enmeshment? How do you build boundaries so that, how do you say no? No. <laughs> No. This is why I love you. <laughs> that's not going to work for me. No, I don't think that's my issue. Um, and, 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 and it doesn't mean we never do anything. But there, when parents, 
and and elderly people will do that to their to their children too. They'll be like, "Well, you've got to do this. You've got to do this," and they can ask, but you have to own the the ability to say no because living a life out of choice is freedom. And most of the time, if we say yes when we want to say no, we end up having a resentment. And, you know, an expectation is a premeditated resentment. So mm. we, if I have the expectation, Ooh, that's really good. yeah, if I have the expectation that my children are going to have their lives revolve around me, I'm, I'm going to have a big fat resentment over it, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I really do not in any way expect them to take care of me. I mean, if I'm walking around you know, the Tom Thumb without my shirt on, then they might need to take me someplace. But, Tova, you make sure it's nice. Okay, I promise. Okay, because they might try to put me in a dump so they can have my money. money. (laughs) That's hilarious. But it's, it's really, it's really very simple. And it's, and, and if you, if you are a parent, and you're listening to this, and you realize that you have globbed on to your children by expecting them to excel or expecting them to be all of this, tell them, own it, say to them. I've said to my children a million times, oh my gosh, when you were little, I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and it was not okay, and I am so, so, so sorry, and I'll pay for your therapy, and, (laughs) you know, so, so, but if you'll own it with your children just like you did, you know, and free yourself from it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that you don't have, um, that there aren't guidelines. Sure. Because you're going to have guidelines. But it's about, it's about setting a boundary for yourself, which if like, for example, um, at one point, one of my children came in and said, I've decided not to go to college when she was a senior. And I said, uh, well, okay, if, well, that's your choice, but if you choose to not go to college, then just so you know, you have to move out the day after graduation. Your car keys are actually, that's my car. The keys to my car that you've been using go in my purse. Your credit card goes in my purse, and your cell phone goes in my purse. But if that's what you want to do, that's okay. You can come over for Sunday night dinner. And a few minutes later, she came back down and said, I've changed my mind. <laughs> I'm going to college. And I'm like, okay, great. So it doesn't, and, and it doesn't mean that you don't have boundaries for yourself and mm-hmm. what you're going to do in regards to your children if they're acting out all over the place. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's just your, it's the way in which you present it to yourself primarily mm-hmm. because the person that needs to know the most that my children's life is none of my business is me. Yeah. It doesn't mean I don't care about their lives. Oh my gosh, I love my children and my grandchildren, but I they're adults. Mm-hmm. I cannot own their choices. Mm-hmm. And I and but I can love them no matter what their choices are. Why is it so scary? Why is it so scary to create boundaries? Because we because other people's behaviors are a reflection on us. So we we are so afraid that we forget that they have a God and it isn't us. And we are so afraid. I really believe we are so afraid that our children are gonna mess up and then we're gonna look bad. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think that's a lot of it. I don't think very many people admit that. But I do think that's a lot of it. And we we do want our children, we do want to protect our children from pain. But, you know, pain is a fantastic teacher. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I always say that. Yes, it is. Pain is like, it's like that lesson is on a lazy Susan and it's Mm going to swing around and we can take it off or not. But if not, it'll, it'll come Come back back around. around. Mm -hmm. So we're going to, we're going to, the only people. People have to learn the lesson and throw away the experience for themselves. We can't do that for them, and we want to protect them. But even if we could, we'd have to be tethered to them 24-7. Oh, for sure. And it's not, it's not in their good, best interest because, I mean, I know that you believe, as I believe, that the most painful experiences I've ever had have been my most valued teacher and uh, and lessons that I very much needed to learn. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm so grateful for them. How do we create, how do you create, or, or, okay, so you answered the question, why is it so scary with children to right. create boundaries? And it's because we believe they're a reflection of us that they're going to fail and we're going to look bad as parents. Um, what about in relationships? Why is it, why are we afraid to say that's not going to work for me? You can do that, but that, why does it take so long Janice, when, and I've experienced this in my relationships, you know, dating yeah. and being single again, sometimes it has taken me longer than I've wanted to admit when I've seen something that was outside of my value system or I've seen something that I thought I would never put up with. Right. And then all of a sudden I'm pushing I'm pushing the boundary that seemed so firm before I was ever in that relationship. Right, right. You know, right. The, the gate keeps moving. And so why do we do that? Why, do we, why does it take so long? Or why does it feel so scary to create and keep boundaries that are in our best interest? Because we know that if we create a boundary for ourselves, if the other person doesn't... Um, if their behavior doesn't match that boundary that we've set for ourselves, that we're going to have to grieve the loss of the relationship. And a lot of us have relationships, some relationship dependency. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard when you've been married to somebody and you have to get, and you make a choice to get out of that marriage or, mm-hmm. or you're dating somebody and they do something that is, is not, it's one of those deal breakers, you know, that I suggest that couples come up with mm-hmm. like five to seven deal breakers that m- what that means is that if your partner does one of those five to seven things, you're gone. Mm-hmm. And but it's going to be painful. Mm-hmm. I mean, that gut wrenching pain and a lot of ba- a lot of that goes back to childhood because we have been overly protected from emotional pain mm-hmm. with that. We try to get people to not feel sad. Rather than understanding that, you know, when, I mean, the first time I got dumped was in eighth grade. And the, the boy that I was liking, I won't say their names because <laughs> they might hear this. They probably won't. But, I mean, I, he ended up at my best friend's house. And I was so devastated in eighth grade I I was sick Mm -hmm. I mean the pain in your stomach (laughs) that was that that feeling of abandonment which a 14 year old can't be abandoned Mm -hmm. you know you Mm -hmm. leave her on the Mm -hmm. porch she'll Mm -hmm. get up and walk away Mm -hmm. but but it feels that gut-wrenching pain and so we want to avoid emotional pain like the plague and it's when somebody doesn't change when somebody is blowing through your boundaries it you feel rejected you know you feel like you're not worth them changing that's because you're in boundary failure yes so that you're not saying okay that's about them that's not about me that's them acting the fool over right. there. That's not about me. Right. So you really, you say that, you know, or even it's your really children. Good. They're my children. That's not about me. It's not a reflection on me. Mm-hmm. It is a reflection on people, on them. People's behavior is a reflection on them, not, not on us. Mm-hmm. That was a really profound thing that you taught me when I was going through yeah. my divorce. I mean, I it just, I felt like, all of it was, you know? Yeah. And, and and I'm sure there's a ton of people who go through relationship failures that have to really remind themselves that other people's behaviors are not about no. them. But that's a very difficult thing. If you've never heard that before, if you've never heard that before, and then all of a sudden you get blindsided by something or yeah. you get hurt by something, it does feel very personal but it's not well you know people will come in my office and say so and so cheated on me and I'm like no they didn't cheat on you they cheated that Mm -hmm. is not about you it affects the heck out of you but it's not about you them cheating is not a reflection on you not being a good girlfriend or a good wife or what a good husband 
it's about them and their value system and whatever the heck they've got going on with them. So it's a real separateness that we have to maintain. But if people have have not been raised to understand their separateness, then those are the ones that have the most pain because they're just they just enmesh with people emotionally across the board almost. Mm. It's like a you know, mm-hmm. you just are sucked into that person mm-hmm. rather than because you know, you I mean you just never know. Mm-hmm. I think that my husband would be one of the last people in the world to cheat, but he could. Mm-hmm. I hear it all day long. Sure. You know, I and bet so you do. <laughs> I, I can't do. even imagine. <laughs> I can't but, even you know, imagine. But, but remembering that other people's success or their failures or or their their pain or their joy is not we can celebrate with them mm-hmm. with their joy, but it's not ours it's mm-hmm. not our accomplishment mm-hmm. we can feel the deep sadness that our children or our friends or our partners have and yet really reminding yourself that's not mine that's not mine that's not mine and really trying to keep that get yourself a george jetson jar and <laughs> sit in it a lot or as mm. i say to people if it's outside your hula hoop it's not yours mm, it's good so that you can really keep that separate Okay, so you alluded to in the beginning um, spiritual, physical, and you said we'll talk about it. What? Let's go back to that. Well, emotional mm-hmm. and uh, what about the protection, about the con- internal boundary uh-huh, system? Uh-huh. That's about my feelings or my thoughts. So politicians have a very difficult time with boundaries because they're trying to convince other people to think the way they think. Mm-hmm. So being able to tolerate the differences of others is a really good thing to exercise because we'll debate reality with people all day long, religious mm-hmm. beliefs, political right. beliefs, you know, all of those things where it's just other people's thinking. So you really mm-hmm. want to keep that outside of you too mm-hmm. and their feelings. So that's the internal. Got it. The external is the physical. Okay. Okay. okay, the touch. Yeah, okay. So you did go into it. I thought there yeah. was something else about it. Um, so I think a, a, something that you've taught me that um, that I have been able to, like I I really appreciate it because it's, it's one of your little tapes that plays yeah. in my mind that's been so helpful. But it's uh, have your boundaries, uh-huh. but always be kind. Like yes. you can, yes. you can set boundaries and you can say no and you can say not now. And, but you have, all, I mean, when I was getting divorced, if I heard one thing over and over and over again from you, it was, you know, be firm, set those boundaries, but you can do it all, and always be kind. And mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't always perfect at that and I'm certainly still not perfect at it with all my boundaries. Right. But I think I think that's such a profound and right thing to say. Well, if you're kind, then you don't have to go back and make amends. Mm-hmm. Because if you're being unkind, that's abuse. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, you do it for yourself. Right. So then you don't have anything to clean up. Right. And, right. you know, and even if you say no pretty forcefully, then that's still not unkind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that you, we do that for ourselves too. That's a containment boundary. That's a verbal containment boundary. Mm-hmm. Is my speech? Mm-hmm. Well, I've I've really appreciated it because it's kept my integrity, you know, my value system intact when I could have gone off the rails. And you know, any good girlfriend of mine would have told me I was completely justified. Sure, you know? sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah, they you would have told been in the off. background Hell doing yeah, two bits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, but I think it's a really, you know, a, you and and my dear friend Mary Catherine mm-hmm. just a, a, always inspired me to choose kindness um, because it's just so much it's just such a better way to handle things. It really is. Now, that being said, I remember, okay, so before I found you, that when my marriage just was really struggling, I called this counselor that was at my church uh-huh. who I'd known for forever. Uh-huh. And he had, uh, so I went and talked to him about some of the stuff that was going on in my marriage. And he said, 
this is going to be really difficult for you. And this is going to be really difficult for me as a counselor with you. And I was like, why? And he said, because there's nothing I hate more than to counsel good Christian women. And I was like, what? Like, I didn't understand where he was going, but he was, he said in so many words, and I'm paraphrasing, it was years and years ago, but he said, like, you're so eager to do the right thing. You're so mm-hmm. eager to forgive. You're so eager to, to let's put it past us and move forward. You're so eager to be the example, you know, to, and, and he said, it's, it's really important that you create, he said, I have the hardest time mm-hmm. with good Christian women creating healthy boundaries mm-hmm. for their lives because we've been taught in church and, you know, mm-hmm. and all, throughout our whole lives, you know, forgive, be kind, be gracious, uh, turn the other cheek, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and, and so mm-hmm. how I'm sure, cause you've seen, I'm sure you've seen people struggle with that. How do you balance like people's value system and, and especially, you know, if they're Christian or any other religion that is, has a theology that's based in like turning the other cheek and forgiveness and grace and all that stuff. How do you encourage someone who struggles with the, that fine line of grace and boundary? Well, I think that it doesn't mean, so kindness is, is, you can be kind and still have a lot of feelings. Like, you can be really angry and be kind. I've done that. Yeah. I mean, you know, you just don't call them assholes. Yeah. You know, you say no, but you don't say no asshole, you know. And and you can you can hate what they did. And, and, and you can, I think forgiveness comes with time. I think that, I think you've got to be able to work through the feelings that you've got to grieve and and the two feelings that are primary in grief are anger and sadness and so you've got to allow yourself the anger without being abusive or rageful mm-hmm. and I think that's the difference so we think that if if we're taught to be nice mm-hmm. and I don't be nice just be kind mm-hmm. because nice would be like oh that's okay or, you know, but it's, it's really not good. okay sometimes. And you can say, that's not okay, and I don't like it, and I want you to stop, and it doesn't work for me, and I don't want to see you right now, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can have a lot of energy around it and still be non-abusive. Mm-hmm. I really like that. You don't have to be nice, but you no. should be kind. I have a really cool thing. It's, it's called The that. Price of Nice, and it's really good. It's about... Um, you know, people that just agree with everything and say this is so pretty when they don't think it. It's really interesting. And it says, ultimately, that you can't trust people who are just nice all the time because they're not going to tell you the truth. I so agree with uh-huh. that. <laughs> I I've so- never been accused of that. <laughs> <laughs> but such a compliment because people, you know, in fact, I went out on, a, recently went out on a handful of dates with a guy who was so nice <laughs> and everybody's telling me oh he's the greatest guy he's the greatest guy he's a great and I'm like he's too nice <laughs> I said that I don't trust it yeah oh it's amazing I love it too da, 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 da. I'm like no uh-huh. that's uh-huh. not my guy uh-huh. I need him to say I hate that or, yeah oh I don't yeah. like that at all or exactly. you like this song I hate this song <laughs> like just dislike something mm-hmm. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. Uh, it's so true. Yeah. Okay, so before we end, um, we were waiting to start, and you read me oh. um, a great thought. So you told me about this devotional years ago. It's called The Language of Letting Go. I read it every single morning. It's by Melody. What's her first name again? Melody Beatty. Melody Beatty. B-E-A-T-T-I-E. Yes, and I have to say, it's it's like a book for what seems to be like codependence or uh, it's called addicts. the language of letting go oh what did i call it uh you i don't know what oh, okay. did you call it did I, you I thought say I, said, I don't oh, know oh, oh okay <laughs> i wasn't listening here i am again looking no for no my no books no so i um anyway this is one of those books that's on my dresser that i read every morning so when i get up and do my devotional i do joyous living that you recommended uh-huh. to me. oh i love those too They're language so of letting good. go 
Uh, I read the Stoic, which I absolutely oh, I love. I read that. One. Oh, it's really good. It's great, great devotional, especially good for men. Um, and then I do the five minute journal, and then I read some of the Bible. But um, so this is out of a devotional that you have. Right. One of those devotionals that you shared with me. It's from May thirteenth. May thirteenth, from the language of letting go. And it's so stinking good. So property line. Yeah. So listeners, listen up because if you've been dozing off or <laughs> have been half listening to this podcast, these last few minutes with Janice are priceless because I feel like this thought sums it all up. So Janice is going to read it. Okay. Property lines. A helpful tool in our recovery, especially in the behavior we call detachment, is learning to identify who owns what. Then we let each person own and possess his or her rightful property. If another person has an addiction, a problem, a feeling, or a self-defeating behavior... That is their property, not ours. If someone is a martyr, immersed in negativity, controlling or manipulative, that is their issue, not ours. If someone has acted and experienced a particular consequence, both the behavior and the consequence belong to that person. If someone is in denial or cannot think clearly on a particular issue, that confusion belongs to him or her. If someone has a limited or impaired ability to love or care, that is his or her property, not ours. If someone has no approval or nurturing to give away, that is that person's property. People's lies, deceptions, tricks, manipulations, abusive behaviors, inappropriate behaviors, cheating behaviors, and tacky behaviors belong to them too, not us. People's hopes and dreams are their property. Their guilt belongs to them, too. Their happiness or misery is also theirs. So are their beliefs and messages. If some people don't like themselves, that is their choice. Other people's choices are their property, not ours. What people choose to say and do is their business. What is our property? Our property includes our behaviors, problems, feelings, happiness, misery, choices, and messages. Our ability to love, care, and nurture. Our thoughts, our denial, our hopes and dreams for ourselves. Whether we allow ourselves to be controlled, manipulated, deceived, or mistreated is our business. In recovery, we learn an appropriate sense of ownership. If something isn't ours, we don't take it. If we take it, we learn to give it back. Let other people have their property and learn to own and take good care of what's ours. Today, I will work at developing a clear sense of what belongs to me and what doesn't. If it's not mine, I won't keep it. I will deal with myself, my issues, and my responsibilities. I will take my hands off what is not mine. So good. So good. I read it every day. <laughs> I'm going to have you screenshot that to me. And okay, send, I, I mean, will. That is, that's it's really good. good. That's so good. Janice, thank you You're so, so welcome. Much. I what love being here with you guys. Gift and what a blessing you are. I know, Kev, you were kind of quiet today. <laughs> are you feeling all right? Just listening. <laughs> you have boundary issues? <laughs> working, working a couple no, things out over there? No, that's separate. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, well, thanks so much for being here, Janice. You're welcome, I love you. Love you, love you. I love you, too. All right. Y'all have a great week.